Hey everyone, this is Slate It Till You Make It. I'm your host, Catherine Donnelly, and today we have a very special industry guest. He began casting in Orlando, Florida in 1993, so I would have been three. And in 1995, he moved to Los Angeles and never looked back. He now has close to 30 years of entertainment industry experience as a casting session director, actor, agent in training, and casting director. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kirkland Moody of Clockwork Casting. Thank you for writing that. <laughs> it's <laughs> totally made up, but you know. Is it? It's no. fake. Yeah. Well, this is a show about, you know, we kind of, you got to fake some shit, you know. Yeah, exactly. Fake it till you make it. You're really good at it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Sure. I, when did I, when did I first meet you? I don't oh my know. gosh. That's Say. a valid question. I think it was at Francine Selkirk Casting. Yeah. And uh, our mutual friend Sabrina brought you in to work in the lobby, I think. Yeah, to, lobby girl. Yeah. And you, you were back. still running, you were a session director. Yeah, I was a session director at the time, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I was probably running a callback and yeah. you came in and we whipped you into shape. You whipped me into shape. <laughs> I learned a lot there. That was, that office, this is the first place I ever booked my first SAG and Super Bowl commercial oh my gosh. in one swoop. Yeah. Was that uh, Tom Coons? It was Tom Coons. Ah, there you go. I was one of the lucky Snickers. Snickers, that's right. I remember that. So lucky. It was epic. Right before the pandemic, mm-hmm. we had like hundreds of people. Yeah, it was that, it was that office. That's amazing. Yeah, it's so. A, it's a fun office. It was a fun place to work. I guess your transition, I know you were also an actor. Yeah, I was, it's, my, my acting was kind of in the middle of my career, which is weird. So like accidental, kind of? Mm, so I, I did a little bit of acting like in high school and college, but very little. It was literally um, stress relief for me. I would take little tiny parts. Like I was a seal in a play. Like, you know, I, I did these little. I was a singing telegram boy or something in in one of the uh, in a play. Really small parts. I just liked being around the theater. It was fun, mm-hmm. and for me, it was just stress relief. Um, I had no intentions of being an actor because. The other actors were so good. I was like, well, I can't do this. Forget <laughs> it. Like, they're so they're actually training and studying and stuff. Um, but I just enjoyed being around it. It was fun. Um, so I did a little bit of acting in, in high school and college. And I also did um, speech in college, uh, in high school. Uh-huh. So I don't know if you know much about speech. Not speech really. Debate. So speech is acting. It's really is all it is. So you take a piece like I did a piece with another fella, um, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, uh-huh. and we took a piece of that play and did it as a scene. And that's all you're doing is you're acting out a scene, and they call it speech. I have no idea why. Maybe to make it seem cooler than but acting. Perhaps, perhaps, but really it's just acting. You're just doing scenes. Um, and then fast forward to I end up working in the casting business, and all of my friends are actors, and I, you know, I. I work in that field and the same I had the same issue I kept getting asked to be in projects by directors because I'm behind the camera and they're like Moody you, you should go audition and I'm like no 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 I don't I don't know you know no I had a real like a real issue with competing with my friends as this is how I saw it um who would work really hard at being actors mm. and I'm like I, I, I felt guilty about like getting thrown a bone yeah you get in there and you and just like, like you would just nail it and because yeah. you didn't want it to I didn't want to and so finally a director I worked with a lot named Dave Murhar, who's a, I'm still I still work with him. He's a great guy. Um, he used to write spots for Bud Light. He would, he would get hired. He was at the ad agency and he'd write spots for Bud Light, and then he transitioned to being a director. 
but Bud Light would still call him and say, do you have any ideas? And so he'd pitch ideas as a director. And so he, they'd say, here's some money, go shoot these spots. And he'd shoot, he'd be the agency and the director. Exactly. So it was just him in the room. And so he'd put me in a spot one day, basically. He said, Moody, you're, you know, you, <laughs> you do this one. So I, uh, I got into a Bud Light spot that was a Super Bowl spot. Oh, God. But then didn't go in the Super Bowl. It actually was like it got nixed and then came back like four months later. Suddenly it was airing. I have no idea how or why. And that was the first spot I did. And that was like, a okay, I can do this. I'll get headshots. And at that point, I had a friend take some pictures of me and didn't even go to professional. And <laughs> and I showed up. <laughs> I had worked at a talent agency. We, we haven't talked about this yet, but I worked at a talent agency for a year. And so I just basically took my stack of headshots, showed up at their doors and said, okay, you guys are representing me. <laughs> And they're like, excuse me? I'm like, I'm acting now. You're representing me. Here's my headshots. And they said, oh, cool. All right. That's how I started. Oh, my God. I know. You're so casual. Uh, yeah. It's so crazy. And you're still like, you're just, there's something so like relaxing and relaxed about you. Maybe, I don't know if your insides are relaxed, but I always feel like you're just like, like life just kind of rolls, you roll with it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, 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 I don't try not to get, you try to worry about what you can control, right? Which is not much. Control. No. <laughs> really much not our much. attitude, yeah. Yeah. You forced your way into representation, <laughs> you're, and then then you started going out and session directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And during this time of, like, accidental acting and getting jobs and conflict being conflicted with all your hardworking acting friends, did you have in the back of your mind, like, an end goal? Like, did you have a – was a vision coming into place? Like, I no. want to work in casting. No, uh, actually – I put I put a hold kind of on my casting career because I had previously to acting. So I started in '93 in Orlando, Florida, with a guy named Herb Mandel, who I loved and he was great. And he, I basically was working on a movie of the week in Tampa, Florida, and not much work comes to Tampa. Uh, so really? really, I know, shocking. And so I schmoozed everybody. I was a production assistant, and uh, the casting director and I got along. And he said, "Move to Orlando, I'll hire you." And so I moved to Orlando, and he hired me, and I was there for. A year, a year or so, and after about a year, I was like, "There's got to be more. This is this isn't cutting it. Like, there's we're, we're working, but the summertime, I'm like looking for a second job because we just don't have much work, right?" So I go to LA, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this place is amazing! I, you know, it was incredible to me. I was blown away, uh, and immediately like packed my things up and moved out here, and um, ended up getting a job at Danny Goldman Casting was the first place I ended up uh, working at, and he's since passed away, but he was, I mean, I could not have had two first bosses both in Orlando and LA better than those two guys from Mandel and uh, and Danny Goldman and Danny Goldman's a, a legend in the business now and, and if you talk to anybody who knew him they all go oh Danny like this loved Danny he was he was he was a guy that was um he would he would scream and he he'd like he never held back his emotions he literally would scream at the top of his lungs, and then on a dime, switched to being a sweetheart. Oh. It was the craziest place. Never, never got mad at us as this, like the staff. Uh-huh. But he'd lay into agents, like you know, <laughs> you goddamn motherfucker, don't you fuck with me, and slam down the phone and go. So, what are we doing next? You know, like it was insane. That's so crazy. I feel like that's so rare because I feel like the yeller, the screamers will treat their staff poorly. I feel no, like yeah, he so was many. just the opposite. He, and he loved actors. He loved acting. You know, it's mm. like, but he also didn't tolerate fools. Like he, you know, if you fucked up, he he would let you know, and it was in a no, no uncertain terms. So anyway, uh, yeah, I was at Danny Goldman Casting, and then after a couple of years there, I got offered a job at AKA Talent, and AKA was just opening, so it was it literally was a bunch of agents breaking off from Abrams, who started AKA. 
So that was Pam Porter, Mike Abrams, and Doug Ely. And Mike called Danny and said, hey, can we can we steal Kirk? <laughs> Basically, like they wanted permission <laughs> from the Godfather. Like, can we hire him? And so I, it was the three of them and me. That was it. So when the AKA started, they were the three agents. I was their assistant. And we worked ungodly hours, and it was unbelievable. It was back in the days of headshots, like you, oh, you know, okay. everything was manual. Mm-hmm. And so we literally we had a railing forty feet long that we'd stack up job envelopes. So literally, you had to like send headshots on every single night for every single job. Now we just click a button, right? Would you mail these? Uh, messenger. Oh gosh. Yeah. So every single job had a sheet and like we had a handwritten like who's going to be submitted and then we collect all the headshots and put them in an envelope and messenger them. But you had 40, 50 jobs you had to do that for. And so we had stacks and stacks and stacks of – And then would they things. call you to tell you who got the auditions? Yeah. Then, they then you get a phone call. Yep. Oh, my God. They're like, we're only going to take five out of mm-hmm. your stack. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And the process was, you know – we're so spoiled now. It's ridiculous. We yeah, we don't even know how spoiled we are. No idea. And I think like that very manual system, people had to really use discretion as far as who to bring in, who yeah. to submit. I feel like now there's a lot more volume people can kind of bring in. Certain people mm-hmm. can, you know, taking a lot of self-tapes. And oh, that's a whole other issue, yeah. A whole other issue, which I do want to get into. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so you were doing manual stuff. Okay, oh, yeah. that's insane. Insane. And yeah. working overtime. Oh, my God, the hours were, that like, goes. Eight to eight, pretty much every day. You know, it was insane. How yeah. long did you last? I lasted. I I was there for a year, but I knew in six months I was like, no, nah, I don't want to be an agent. And about six, yeah, it took me about six months, and I was like, it's it's not creative enough. It's I mean, you're just submitting headshots and negotiating stuff basically, mm-hmm. and it wasn't enough creativity for my taste. The casting process, why I love it, is that it's a great balance of business and creativity. You have you have you've got a job, especially in commercials, because you've got a job to do. You've got a a timeline. Mm-hmm. You've got a budget. You've you have you have certain parameters that have to be met, and then all the rest is play. It's like, well, who do you want to bring in? What kind of stuff do you? Who do you want to see? Who do you see in this role? Yeah. Have you guys thought about going this way with this role? Um, so there's always a little wiggle room and play room with the scripts and who you bring in, and that that's just enough creativity to make me. It's just enough. Yeah, it's pay like attention. A, a, yeah. yeah, it's a nice little recipe. Yeah. <laughs> so you became a session director. Yeah, I became a session. So yeah, I, I'm sorry, it's a long story. You only have how much time do you have? <laughs> so yeah, after Danny Goldman's, I'm with AKA, and at AKA, I decided I didn't want to be an agent. So I went to Beth Holmes Casting as her, basically her right arm. I was like, I ran the office for her. Um, and I was there for about four years. I ran her studio, stuff like that. And then after that, I started doing full-on freelance session directing. So probably early 2000s, I started doing just session directing. And it wasn't until 2008 or so I started acting. So I was just doing session directing oh. for about five years. And then um, and then I started doing session directing and acting. But with Beth, I was actually made a casting director. She was giving me all of her non-union jobs to be the casting director. And so I learned how to be a casting director. And I could have taken that and gone, I'm going to go be a casting director. But at the same time, the acting thing happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, can't really be a casting director and actor, I don't, in my mind. Yeah. I'll just do session directing and act. That'll be fine. And so that's what I did. <laughs> I just put aside the being a casting director thing because I was like, this is fun. I'll do this. Yeah. You had like a lot of options, it feels like. Yeah. And you were just yeah. still kind of like figuring out and process of elimination. Yeah. And then so fast forward to now, you yeah. you are clockwork casting. Clockwork casting, right. So yeah, that we basically took that over from Francine Selkirk. Ah. She retired. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bobby Bolton, who was her partner, 
for 15 years, I think. He and I kind kind of took over her business. I mean, there's no guarantee the clients will stay with you, but she promoted us as, you know, her replacement, basically. What's, what's the word? Predecessors? No, post. No. That's the post one. Post-decessors. Post-decessors. <laughs> We're keeping that. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I this is quite the story. And it's actually nice because I feel like, I mean, LA is, you got to be multi-hyphenate. Yes. You got to be, everyone's got a million jobs. And I will say as someone who's been a casting assistant for eight years, and I've done a couple of my own jobs because it sort yeah. of happens along the way, and I'm an actor and a comedian, like you got to kind of learn to do all of it. So it's nice to hear that, first of all, you don't need to know what you want to do at the end. It, I feel like it sh shows itself ultimately. Yeah. You keep getting thrown opportunities and you stay somewhere long enough and then you kind of end up doing what you're doing and it's just there's there's so much there's so much opportunity there's so much opportunity I, i've always said whatever you decide go after it and you'll know fairly quickly hopefully if that's the thing or not mm. you know and even with working at a talent agency i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna go be a talent agent and then in about six months i was like no yeah and the only reason i stayed longer is because they didn't have time to hire another assistant <laughs> they're like can you please they're stay? sinking yeah uh, so yeah it's like Whatever you do, just give it a thousand percent and be true to that. And that way you'll know if that was the right choice or not, you know? Yeah, maybe in all things. When I started working for you, everybody was in person. And then yeah. the pandemic happened mm -hmm. and we were all tapes. And then now we're out of it. But there's like this hybrid thing going on. I know it's so great to be in person. <laughs> so there's this hybrid thing going on where it's some specific studios are only in person. Some people are only doing tapes. And you guys have found a really interesting hybrid, which I, I love and prefer. But you do live Zoom auditions. Mm -hmm. And I still get phone calls and texts with people who are confused when they're like, hey, I have a Zoom audition. What does that mean? Is it like a tape that they're going to tape me? How does it work? Like, can you talk to us how you guys run your sessions now? Well, yeah. So right now we're kind of doing, we're still doing a hybrid. We're doing both. We're doing, we're doing in studio. We're back in studio, which has been great. So like happy. Like first calls? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Where's my audition? Oh, uh, coming. We have a job actually coming in today. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm waiting for my text okay. from Cassie Alex. I'm sit by your phone. <laughs> um, yeah, we just, uh, the last two jobs we did, we did some in-studio first calls, which was really nice. It was it's so nice wow. to be interacting with actors again. And They just dropped the restrictions on set. So on May 11th, all the set COVID restrictions are gone. So um, we kind of felt like, all right. If, if they're gone on set, then we're safe to go back Following to casting. Suit. Yeah. We still do Zoom auditions depending on budget because mm -hmm. it is a little cheaper for our clients. Uh, not much. But yeah, we, we would just send out a Zoom link and we'd have a session director on the Zoom who would direct the actor, you know, mm. just like you would in a studio. The only difference is you didn't have to drive somewhere. You're doing it from your home. Yeah. So someone's there to yeah. like help you through your audition. Yeah. Just yeah. like and normal. Give you, yeah. Give but you, you log on. In a perfect world, you would rather have first calls be in person. I yeah. I, I, I always prefer, I, I didn't like the Zoom stuff. I definitely don't like self-tapes. Yeah, why, for why, why don't you like self-tapes? Something gets lost in translation a lot of times when you give direction. Even if I record myself saying, here's what I want you to do. I'd like you to say your name. I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to do that. And here's the scene we need. I'm not going to act it out for you, but I'm going to give you the blocking. You know, Even if I lay out exactly what to do, I still get a myriad of different <laughs> things that are completely off target. Whereas when you're in the room with someone and going, you know, I appreciate what you just did, but it's different. 
different. Like we gotta we gotta change what you just did. I can't do that with a self tape. If the only way you can do it is by reaching out and saying record yourself again and here's the new direction. Yeah. Right. Um, which is a lot of work. So you have more of an ability to create a consistent tape for your clients and yeah, help I actors so. get to where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Through Zoom or in person. Yeah. Definitely yeah. in person. So you're part of like a team. Like you and Bobby work yeah. together. And Bobby's me. So a rock. You. He is. He's my rock. He's everyone's. <laughs> Awesome. You are more like you guys kind of tag team jobs, mm -hmm. but you're kind of more on the, the submission, like creating, cultivating like the schedule and selecting talent and sifting yeah. through. Can you talk to us about like what's your process from start to finish with just roles and then receiving an overwhelming amount of submissions per role? How mm -hmm. do you sift through? Be completely honest with us. Sure. Like, do you ever go into self-submit, direct submits? Mm -hmm. How does all that work for your office? It's completely role and job dependent, right? So um, do we have the time to go through every submission? Then then we go through every submission. I mean, we, we really do. If we do ask for people to self-submit, it's usually because it's a role that's difficult. That's uh, it's something that it's hard to find a skill or uh, a certain age or a certain look, and we're going to put it out to everybody. If we do that, there's a reason for it, and we're going to go through those. Bless you. Something. something. It's like a deep breath. That was an almost sneeze, yeah. And as far as going through all the actors, sometimes we don't have the time. We get 3,000 submissions on a roll, and we've got 15 rolls, and you, know, you just literally don't have the time to go through them all. Or you know you're going to have another day of casting. So you're like, mm. let's go through the ones that we know are good first, make sure to get them in, so the second day can be a little more playful and interesting. So we have certain agents that we know have high-caliber people that we can kind of rely on. So there's probably, I'll, I'll say, 20, 25 agents that we'll go to first, like our sort of A-level agents, and then uh, and go through their submit because we can sort it online however we want. So we'll go through those first and make sure that we – you know, get a, get all those people in. And then after that, we'll go through the rest if we have time. Mm -hmm. You know, if not, we don't. But I really make an effort to go through all of them, um, no matter what. It's it's just, I don't want to miss someone. I, I just, it's, and that's part of the, the great thing about casting uh, online. It's all a little thumbnail, right? It's a little tiny thumbnail. Everybody is equal. Mm. It's just a thumbnail on your screen, right? It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't, you can sort, it's, it's sorted. Uh, it's random. Random. Randomized. Yeah. yeah the so, software. which I kind of like that leveling of the playing field. Me too. Yeah. Um, but when I'm short on time, we can't go through 3,000 <laughs> submissions. Filter. Then you filter it and, and go through the good, the agents that you know you can rely on. So as someone listening who's maybe like not with an A-lister agent, how would they ever get into an office like yours aside from like working their way into a better agent? Like what's – or keeping their eyes peeled for a more of a public breakdown? What advice can we give to someone who's feeling like, oh, man, I wish I could get into clockwork casting? It's a good question. It's, it's tougher these days because it used to be you could stop by someone's office and mm -hmm. say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm auditioned for you. Just wanted to say hello. And, you know, people aren't in their offices now. Yeah, <laughs> or like take part. a class that maybe you would yeah. be offering. Or... Yeah. Um, it's harder now. I wish I had a uh, really simple, like, do this and you'll get in. Mm -hmm. uh, there is there is no this. It, it's just you got to you gotta have heart. You got to keep plugging keep away. Working. Like you got to send out postcards or send out emails if you got, if you got shows going on. And, and I mean, I, I would say literally say, you know, I've never auditioned for your office, but I'd love the chance to audition for you if you've got something that you think I, did, I fit. Yeah, maybe have um, your agent or manager send what, a, like a little absolutely. pitch where it's like, hey, we've been wanting to get in. Yeah. You heard great things. Yeah. You never know if you don't ask. Like, right. You don't want to bother a casting director incessantly, but right. 
Otherwise, yeah, like casting directors have, especially commercial casting directors, the timeline is so short, so short. and sometimes it's yeah. even shorter yeah. and they're sweating and they got to get it all done. And so they're bringing in people who they trust, who they know are going to like give a right. solid, great performance to. And how often do you throw on your schedule someone that you don't really know, but who's with a decent agency, but like an oddball? Almost every job I try to do that because otherwise you're just seeing the same people over and over again. And, and, and our directors don't want that. They don't want to see the same faces over and over so you do make an effort to throw in some some risks you know because that's how you find new great people mm. or it and, and funny enough i was taught this many many years ago actually maybe even by francine selkirk it's not a bad thing to put in some clunkers like to put in some people who are like just you're like well they look right but their resume is not very deep let's give it a shot and they just <laughs> they just don't get it they, whatever it is they, they have the right look but they're just not getting the idea of this scene it's not a bad idea to leave them on there because it kind of points out how good the other ones are. <laughs> like it could be this bad. Here's here's how you know. So it's um, it's not a bad thing sometimes to to take those risks in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, and it is a risk. You know, you are you are limited to the number of people you can see. You, you don't want your clients to think you don't know what you're doing, right? Right. So you gotta, yeah, you got to diversify your session. Yeah. And you got to keep funneling in some some newer faces. And, yep. keeping it, and, and that it being said, more and more, I find myself going deep into resumes and looking at reels for commercials. I look at reels all the time for commercials. Really? Yeah, all the time. And I'm shocked how many people, A, don't have their resume up online. Uh-huh. And B, don't have any kind of reel up of any type. They Maybe make people, me go to some other site to find it or something. Like so, Actors Access. Whatever. Uh, or even I YouTube do. or whatever. Or like some random or Vimeo. Um, instead of just paying the bucks and putting it up on your on your thing. Because it's eight, you know, seven more clicks I got to go through to try to find it. And I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't have the time. No. So I think maybe some commercial actors, they don't have a reel or they're like, it's not important and cast directors don't even look. So you think uh, having something like that is solid work to show that you can do a scene or act is better than obviously nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. definitely. When you're scanning a quick resume, what are you looking at? It for? depends on the job. Mo most times, you know, I'm sure you've had this conversation with other casting directors. It's improv, right? That's the big comedy and improv is the big thing we look for. Um, but even that is deceptive sometimes because they'll put on their groundlings. It's like, well, how much groundlings did you do? Like, mm -hmm. no, you can't just put groundlings. Yeah. Like, did you do the entire course or did you just do one class? Yeah. Um, I think specificity in the resume is important <coughs> Excuse me. to know that these casting directors have been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe 20, 30 years just in the industry. So they know names of teachers and right. levels and things where if you say like Groundling Sunday Company and you lie about it, that's stupid. Yeah. Because everyone knows if you've done, like it's, it's one of those things where like someone's going to find out ultimately. So just be honest, but be specific and tell us what you're doing because it's it's only going to help you. And like it's tedious work to go in and clean up and add things and pay for premium. Oh, God, yeah. I, I, I get it. But you're also not having to pay as an actor. You're not having to pay for, you know, uh, printing up headshots, mailing your headshots. All, like there's so many costs that you don't pay now. I understand it's not. You know, I think I think um, casting networks is to some degree taking advantage of the actors mm -hmm. because there's the two different systems. They own both of them, the cast, casting frontier and casting networks. It's like, eh, come on, merge that, merge. whatever you got to do. They must be making such a buck. But something I learned recently from an agent is that um, a lot of actors put up their resume 
on on one of their accounts, like through their manager, for instance, and assume that that goes to the other accounts they have, like through their agent, through the theatrical agent, uh-huh. through their commercial agent. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's like multiply. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't carry over to the other accounts. You have to manually do each one, which is On another each problem. Profile of casting network. Yeah, which is another yeah. problem. The casting networks needs to fix that. Like you need to be able to put up your resume once and have it be on all of your accounts. And when you say put up the resume, they're putting a PDF attachment, or they're literally yeah. That see, that's another problem. Is that <gasps> the P, like a, a PDF attachment? You you think you're doing the right? Like that's another click for me. Yeah. It's, it's uh, three more clicks actually, so it's like it's annoying when I hit, when I see so many PDF attachments. Like just manually, I know it takes time. I hate the PDF, but you gotta put in. Yeah, you gotta put in your resume, and it's because it, I've literally gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, PDF, forget it. I don't even want to look. No, I know. And I, I move on, and so you're losing work because you haven't taken the five minutes or ten minutes it takes just to manually input that information. Yeah, but these things are important. Just take a day Very, to clean up your. Yeah. if it's a business. Your business. <laughs> Don't have a sloppy business. Jeez. Yeah, it's a business. It's like you got to invest a little time in yourself, you know, and and make it easy on our end. We're lazy. Not lazy. We're busy. (laughs) Lazy, busy. They just have, they have, they have timelines and it's, it's always under kind of duress. They're just like, I got it. So the fewer clicks, the better. Make it easy to find yourself. Add details to your profiles. Go take an hour or two hours to clean your shit up. What do you think about like a million pictures, uh, headshots on their hate it? Uh, I, immediately when I see a ton, of... <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> so clear when I see a ton of pictures, I, I actually I'm like, oh, amateur. Oh, I, I do. I, I literally make like, they're trying too hard. Like, here's me in a nurse outfit, here's me in a uh, construction uniform. Too many, like, just give me like five or six pictures, especially if a bunch of those pictures are the same. That's the thing that gets me crazy, too. It's like the same pose in different outfits. No yeah. need for that. Like, I understand you want to give, provide the image of, you know, you as I could be this. Sure. We're pretty imaginative. Like, we're pretty good. You know, the only reason to do that kind of thing is if you have experience doing it and there's a justification for it, I think. Like, you're like a legitimate, uh, whatever. Whatever it is, a doctor, nurse, a doctor. nurse, whatever. Yeah, firefighter, policeman. Yeah, sure. Absolutely put that in there. But when I see a whole, when I'm scrolling down or just, you know, it's 40 annoying. pictures, I'm like, oh, God. It's just more time. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying too hard. It's my like, manager loves a bunch of pictures and a lot of my old ones, and she's so attached to them. So all my Cassie Network's profiles are different because my agent just wants, like, the five of the most recent ones, and you can delete the rest right. or just keep, like, one athletic photo and a dog photo. Yeah. She's using a picture, my manager is using a picture from like eight years ago <laughs> that she just loves. Yeah. She loves, uh, but I am 24, uh, do the math, and so it's just, it doesn't really look like me, And she, but she loves it, and it's weird. It'll get me in, but it's- But they, you're like, you're not, you don't like don't, this. No, I'm yeah. not like this, so don't do that, guys. Also, <laughs> it's just <laughs> the things we see, like someone who's now has gray hair, and they're using a headshot from when they were 40. What are you look, really doing here? Look like your headshot, simply enough. Yeah. So if you're going to have a funny headshot, you better be funny. Mm. Nothing worse than bringing in someone who's got a wacky headshot and they're expecting some comedy and they don't really have it. Yeah. Can we talk so. about funny headshots real quick? Yeah, you don't see them as much anymore, especially with um, online. Um, goofy? Everybody's doing just a standard thumbnail of their face, so there's not much you can do, mm-hmm. you know. But in the past, there were always because of these three-quarter headshots, right, you could do something funny with your body or just I've seen headshots of people just leaning in from the side and you just have their head leaning out. My favorite, my favorite old one, which was one of the most divisive headshots of all time, I'm convinced, is uh, Chip Chinnery is an actor in town. He's been around forever. He's a friend of mine. And he had a headshot with, um, like, one of the classic two fists on your chin, <laughs> smiling. Yeah. But he had three. Oh, had my third God. third hand. So there was <laughs> – exactly. 
<laughs> so corny, so stupid, and brilliant at the same time. Like every time, it, it makes me howl. I love that headshot. Other <laughs> casting directors are like, "Oh, so stupid. I'm never going to see that guy." You know, whatever. It's like that's the thing. It's like everybody has an opinion, and that's okay. Oh, like you're taking a chance that. by having a, a thing. But he's a comedian. Like he was a stand-up comedian and a brilliant comedic actor. Okay, like you know, you can get away with that. Third maybe. fist. Yeah, third fist. Fisting himself. Uh, <laughs> I would have brought. I would have brought him in all the time. Me, me too. I, I, yeah, yeah. That's but clickbait. Other cast directors didn't like it. So oh whatever, no. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to do a funny headshot these days. I, you know, it's, I don't know what the yeah what that is anymore. But like, if you're going through and looking for comedy just based on a picture, you can kind of tell like this person's a goofy, or I know yeah. them obviously, but like there's like a vibe, right? A little playfulness or mischievousness. Mm-hmm. Like uh, mischievousness, I think is the one thing I kind of search for. There is like a little bit of like you got something going on that you're not telling me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's <laughs> I I like that in a headshot. You know. Yeah. Like you're hiding something. What, what, what do you got going on over there? What's going on? <laughs> okay, let's let's pivot a little bit. Um, all your time behind the camera as a session director and an actor, um, and now a casting director, you've watched a lot of actors and directed a lot of actors. Oh yeah. So I'm wondering, just off the top of your head, some kind of like do's and don'ts in the room. Anything that kind of like stands out to you, yeah. pet peeves, just coming in the room because that's a very niche place to work for so many years. Sure is. It was a big education for me to work behind the camera and then be an actor. It was a massive like advantage. Um, yeah, it's like a master class. That's how I consider my time. Right. Yeah, you get to learn all this stuff, which is kind of the point of this podcast. What? Yeah. Wait a second. I think you're on to something. I- yeah, so so commercial copy is weird. It's always a little story, typically, right? It's, there's always some sort of thing. So whenever you get a script, you got as an actor, you have to figure out who am I in the script. Like, not, not who do I want to be. Like, who am I? Am I the guy that's being made fun of? Am I the guy that's supposed to be, solve the problem? You know what? What is my purpose in the role of telling the, whatever the story is? You got to know what that is, and understanding that is much more important than the words. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you understand your role in the in the scene, the words should kind of come naturally in a way. Like the, whatever whatever you're saying should come out in a regular way. And a lot of times, and this isn't I'm, I'm, ad agency people will probably kill me for saying this, but a lot of times the scripts that you guys get as an actor they're still in development. They're not done yet. They're still figuring it out. Sometimes they're locked, but a lot of times they're like, eh, this is, this will do for now. How do we know when a script is locked? Is there you like, know. are there any indicators? Well. Like something where you're like, don't, don't diverge from the words. Yeah. So it, A, you can't really tell from the script itself unless there's like time code on it. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing like three seconds to seven seconds. These lines happen. Seven seconds to ten seconds. These lines happen. Sometimes you'll see scripts like that. And th- that might give you some indication like, eh, this might, that might not mean much variation here. But very rarely. Um, mostly it's up to the director, really, who will tell us. Uh, we have one director that doesn't want any changes ever to the lines. Ever. Right? <laughs> you're laughing now because you know exactly that. <laughs> but that's how he, he thinks the script is perfect and it should not be altered. And it, it is why it works is because the way it's written mm. and it should not be changed. Other directors are like, yeah, you know, I, I'm bringing, I want you to bring in people that will bring something to it, right? So yeah. every job is different. So as a result, as an actor, you get a script. Yeah, you got to know your lines. Yeah, you got to think of some other maybe clever things to say, some other buttons, other other ways of saying the same line, whatever that might be. But you also have to be ready to throw all that away when you walk in the room and the session director says, here's how we're doing it. 
right? You gotta <clears throat> you gotta be prepared, but also be willing to let go of. Because mm. I've seen plenty of times where people get an idea in their head of how it should be, and they can't let go of it because they're and they're not listening to me as the session director or the casting director, and they're holding on to some funny idea that they think is funny. Like it could be funny, but it's not what we want. Mm. So you've got to you got to be able to not only come in prepared with ideas and thoughts and, and, and buttons and all that stuff, but you have to be willing to just drop it and and pivot <laughs> at the top yeah. of that. So coming in with some some ideas, yeah. some buttons. Yeah. Um, knowing the like can we talk a little bit more about the story, like prioritize story over the lines, like knowing what your so. role is in this scenario. I think this helps so much. Like I don't think I don't think it's given enough credit in in the acting world of like I know it's a it's just a commercial, right? No, it's not. It's like it's it's still acting. It's actually more difficult because you're squishing a story into a very short time, and you're, so every nuance is is important. So it, it, it's it's critical that you understand the idea more than you say the exact words. Even as an actor, I never subscribed to doing the words verbatim. I always went to like I need to understand what what who am I in the scene, what am I doing, and what what is my feeling about my other actors. Yeah, like that's more important than you know the exact verbiage. How, how do I? You just need to get the thing from A to B. That's it. Like the words, hopefully you're getting them right, <laughs> but it's it's more important to understand the the path. The, exactly this, the beginning, middle, end, and I do think commercial acting. First of all, I don't think it's as respected as theatrical, TV, and film. I don't think people prepare as much or think they have to prepare, and also even take a look at what they're doing, doing research beforehand, which is something that we always talk about. Mm-hmm treating it like a theatrical scene, maybe taking a little bit more time. And I agree, it's a lot harder because you're condensing all of this, all of these moments into 30 or 15 seconds. And in an audition, it can breathe a little bit more than that. We don't expect you to be like commercial uh, timing. But what took me so long to learn is that every single moment matters. I think there needs to be like some pre-life. There's got to be the moment. And then there's got to be like the arc and then the maybe a little post-life. Think about the person watching you it's it's like a little tiny tv show yeah right yeah that's a great way to look at it yeah you're in a little tiny tv show i think you're doing it it's a good that's i like that idea yeah like what other you know aside from that yeah just in the room listening i mean uh, i mean especially in a callback if you get a callback and you're in the room and and it used to be there'd be like a wall of people right Mm -hmm. like seven people that are all on their computers laptops not paying attention to you um maybe googling you um (laughs) google definitely looking you up (laughs) um just know that they are they are checking your instagram there i want to i want to talk about that actually okay yeah yeah are they looking? How important do you think it is your Instagram? Uh, Just a, not even not followers, but like having a normal. You it's know, important, isn't it? If kind of like any a, weird stuff. They're like, nah, look what I found. This is strange. We don't. I don't want this person on my job. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's important. Like, you got to be smart about what you post socially. Yeah, I think of my and I. This could sound silly, but I think of my Instagram as a LinkedIn profile. Okay. Yeah. Personally, why not? And I because. Uh, People are always going to look at it to yeah. reference if I'm chill or normal or f- have other things to offer. Yeah. They want a glimpse into my life, my world, or what I'm trying to make it seem like it, right. you know? And I don't think anyone's ever going to book a job without having been researched by anyone on the production team, agency, 
yep. whatever, right? They're going to look you up. They're Absolutely. Gonna look, and they're going to talk about you. Yeah, if there's something to talk about. You know yeah. What I mean? Like, it's, it's, they're just looking for anything, uh, negative flags. signals, any flags, yeah. So uh, it, it happens sometimes where they're like, uh, this is weird. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But not often. I mean, most actors have got their act together. And they do. They're here for a reason, and they're not doing anything too crazy. Too crazy. But th- right. th- th- someone, someone there is, is looking at your stuff. Yeah. Just know that. And, and there's some jobs that have actual background checks where we mm-hmm. have to actually get permission to do background checks on, on, on people because they've run into problems or it's a spokesperson. Big company. They want to make sure there's nothing weird attached, you know? Yeah. So back to what you're saying. Yeah. In the callback, there's oh, a wall call. of people. There was a wall of people. Oh, yes. So a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times that can be really intimidating. It's like, but you still just have to go in there and do your job. Like I always, when I was acting, I always would come in and I wouldn't try to make it about me, but I would definitely like say something to kind of break the ice a little bit and I can't say what that is because it's different in every job or if like there was it was dead silent I'd respect the silence you know it's like don't mm. eh, there's, there's a reason why it's quiet right now so you kind of always have to feel feel the room a little bit you gotta and that's and that's hard to learn it's just something you just learn instinctually but beyond that direction when a lot of times I hear actors they get a, a direction from the director and they apologize Ugh. right hey let's let's try this way and they'll go oh sorry sorry no you, you, what do you why are you apologize you did nothing wrong you're getting direction that's all like you're being asked to try something else in fact you might have done it exactly right on the first take but they want to be able to know that they can give you direction and you can do it you can not only hear the words I'm saying you can Take those words and do something different. I, as an actor, I remember I did a, a callback. I did 10 takes uh, with this director over and over and over again. And it wasn't that I was doing anything wrong. He was just trying to make sure that I could subtly change the thing and he could get different versions because uh, I don't know how much you've talked about this. It's not about doing one thing correctly as an actor. It's about giving them the confidence that you can do it any way that they want on the set. Because on the set, they need a billion different versions. They don't need one. Mm-hmm. They, they need... 16 different versions of the same thing because they're not 100% sure what's going to work in the end. So it's critical that they feel like you can deliver different options. I've seen people lose jobs because all they can do is one thing well, and that's not good enough, Mm. even though they're perfect. Like that one take, but but that's all we got. But he's got that one version. Wow. So it's like it's much more critical to be human. Uh-huh. And again, take the scene, understand it, and being able to deliver variations on that. Right. That fit, that aren't just forced wacky things that actually make sense with the scene. Yeah, no, yeah. we haven't talked about that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This really, it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a huge part of the process that um, I think actors are trying to be get the take. Mm. It's like, no, there's no one take. It's a matter of like, can you, you know, do it three or four different ways and make the, you make the director comfortable and feel like okay, I I can work with this person. Yeah, they can they without can, apologizing. Without, without apologizing, being like a weirdo. Yeah. yeah, and even if you get a direction that's like okay, we're gonna go 180 degrees around. Just listen and absorb. And if you need a second, say, hey, can I have a sec? That's fine. You're allowed to ask. It's a I've always looked at it as it's a collaboration. You're not in there to dance and amuse them. Mm-hmm. They're looking for someone they can work with, and you're looking to achieve you know whatever they're asking for to be a good listener don't don't look at it as a us versus them or something like that it's 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 you're all working together yeah you know what what do you you need what can i do to make this work right it's like that's yeah 
That's the way to approach it. Sometimes I, I'll be running a session and I'll, and every actor has done this, but they'll come out and they'll be like, I just feel like we only did one take or two takes and, and the guy in front in front of me was in there for way longer. I, is that, was that normal? And like, there's the panic. Can right. you talk about that? It, again, every situation is different. You might have gone in and nailed it and they're like, perfect. That's what I needed. And like, you've got the, you know, you got the job. Mm-hmm. One take. Great. Other times they're like, well, it could be they're working with you because they love you and they want to try different things. Or they're like just trying to get it to a point where it works, seeing if they can get it there. Mm-hmm. So there's two different reasons why you might be in there a long time, right? Mm-hmm. One, one, they love you. One, they're desperately trying to make it work. They're trying to figure it out. Yeah. So there's no, you can't read into it. You, as an actor, you can't. It's not your job. It's not your job. It. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, it's like, fortunately, it isn't your job. Right. And that's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing is yeah. to let it go, right? It's like they'll drive away and not read hash the audition in as you're driving home. And, yeah. And it's so hard. I, even as an actor, I, you know, I would do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you got to do your best not to beat yourself up over it. Like, make your choices, be present. Uh-huh. You know, be okay with what you did. And uh, if you didn't get it, you didn't get it, you know. But I always say it's like, you know, let's say we bring in 100 people for a role. The best you can do is hope for a coin flip at the end of the process, right? Mm-hmm. It's a like between you and another person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the best you can do is hope for a coin. It's like totally. You got a 50-50 chance. That that's you're doing really well. You're on a veil. Hey, you made it that far, yeah. Yeah. The big A. <laughs> the big A. The big yeah. A. Yeah, that bogs people down too. Is getting getting a veil is not booking. That's the, I think that's the biggest mind fuck. Once you have kind you, of get to that level, have you least, had a lot like in a row where you didn't book. Ooh, I think the most avails I've had in a row worth i think only three and then oh. I'll, i usually my my thing is three and then i'll like book two in a row and then That's it's great. like three but i know one of my girlfriends had like 10 yeah and i'm like oh my god if i went up to double digits that would just i i was working with a guy um we did a dave and buster's commercial or a campaign two weeks ago and we were at the fitting and um he's just like so he's like this this whole avail thing um this is so random. He's like, but have you like ever been released from an avail? And I'm like, yeah, of course. He's like, I've never, um, I've never been released from an avail, but he hasn't been doing it that long, but he's like, I've booked, you know, he only books a few jobs a year, but he's just never, he didn't hear of being released from an avail. He's booked every job he's been on. Yes. He just didn't know there was such a thing as, and I was like, well, welcome to (laughs) hell, buddy. (laughs) Welcome to hell. I, I want to talk about that for just a second sure. because that's it's the bane of our existence. I would rather not know I'm even availed and just assume my agent is like she's good, she's good. I would rather not know anything Tough because foodies. you start to. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I say. Ignorance is bliss, you're though. An, you're an adult. You got to buck up and know that uh, that you're on avail. Because I've had so many. I've had cases where agents say, "Oh, yeah, they're available," and then you go to book and they're like, "Oh no, I just found out that uh, they're actually getting married." You know, it's like, like what? So like, we I, need to know. You have you to. Need like, to know we, that extra. That conversation has to happen. Yeah. I, I will not play the game of. Uh, I've had agents where like you call them or email them or whatever, and uh, usually on the phone, and they'll be like, "Yep, they're they're fine." Yeah. I'm like you haven't talked to them yet. I need you to call your actor. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like you, they not- do that. They'll they'll because they just want to make sure that you're like that they're gonna lock it in yeah. before even talking with avails. Like, do you have any? Like, you were an actor. Like, mm-hmm. how how can we like not mind fuck ourselves? Do you have any strategies on waiting? No, I mean. Just, Again, does it get it's easier? out of your hands. You worry about what you can control, and that's a good thing for life in general, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is. It's like you can have, you've got no control over it whatsoever. You've done what you can do. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen a couple like video pieces of was it Brian Cranston and who else was it? Uh, Michael Keaton, who both sort of said the same thing. It's like 
as an actor, you, you just to go in and and say, "Here's me." Like, here's this is make make you make choices. You go and you do what you do, and then you just walk away. Like, because that that was your job. You went in and you did your job. And if they want to, you know, work with you more, so be it. That'd be great. Mm. If not, then it wasn't the right thing. It wasn't really your job anyway. It wasn't your job anyway. So it's it's you know easy to say, but that's sort of the approach to have. It's like it's just your your job is to go in and audition and and do as best you can and try to deliver what you know you think is right for that role and what they think is right. Mm. Try to find that meeting of the minds. And, um, and if it's not happen. right, it's not right. It'll happen eventually. Yeah, and there's plenty of great actors that have not gotten jobs, and it's not so. It's not about acting; mm-hmm. it's about whether you're right for it or not. And you know, it's amazing sometimes. I've seen I've seen people who were horrible actors get jobs. Absolutely, but they were right for that job. Yeah, so it's and, and like, it's another thing you don't have control over. <clears throat> right. I like to think of it as because I mean we all get in our heads, and we can all be like in that mindset where I'm detached from the result, and I'm just like, hey, they like me, they like me, or whatever. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day. If I can think of myself as like a glorified set piece where I happen to be the one talking and if I fit into their curtains and their couch and their the person next to me and like their whole brand, then I I'm a click, I'm a fit. Yeah. I not I'm not like degrading what we do, but like you are part of a very big picture. Right. You're a small yes. piece. You may be featured. <laughs> Your yeah, face it might is be in very it. important for the time you're on that set, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. It's a small everything portion of the whole process. Exactly. It's not all about you. You ever thought about that, guys? Yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Which is hard to do as an actor. It's so hard. Well, and, and you know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head too about about how do you let it go? It's because like, you're you're selling yourself. Like you're the product. Mm-hmm. You're not selling windows. You can't blame the product for the product. Like you are the product, and so that's, that's why it's hard to let it go and just yes. not take it personally. Well, because if we are a business, it's hard to detach. If we ourselves, it, uh, if, oh my God, if we are the business. Use your words. If I am my own business and I am selling me, yeah. it would be a lot easier to detach if I'm selling like this water bottle here. Cause right. I'm like, oh, he didn't like my water, but he doesn't like me. How, yeah. It's so hard to not take it personally. But if somehow you can like use your mind power, Jedi mind powers to, and that's, I think that yeah. comes with time. It does. That's all. It does. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, it's, you need to have a healthy ego and healthy confidence and and I mean healthy, like not overconfident, not not too big of an ego. It's like you just have to know, like do what you do, and be able to just you know drop drop your knowledge and walk away. Totally. And that's it. Like it's it's a it's a hard balance to find, and it's different for everybody too. Yeah. You know, some people live their lives neurotic, and that's they're successful that way somehow. Yeah. yeah everybody's it's there's no one answer. There isn't, and like for me, sometimes I've had to just trick myself into into it where like sometimes you have to make something else more important in your life and that helps like having a side business having a relationship that's important having maybe like you know putting something else as a priority not like you know taking the attention off of like how to prep and to do all you do your best work but like just shifting your focus like okay cool I did I did what I need to do I sent in my tape or I auditioned or I went to the callback but living my life Mm -hmm. like living my life and not making your life based on whether you get that job yeah exactly yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in commercials? Something just kind of simple. There, maybe someone who's like they're starting to audition and they're just not really getting a lot 
a feedback. Well, that's interesting. Um, if they if they haven't taken any improv classes, I would say go take some improv classes because mm. that's improv and commercials kind of go hand in hand to me. You have to be able to think on your feet in a commercial audition. Uh, I mean, we were talking about this earlier about sort of interpreting the script and being able to do different things with it. So th- that's the easy answer. Like if you haven't done improv classes, go take some improv classes, and that might loosen you up and might you might find the right vibe. If you have and you're going in and you're just not feeling it or you're not getting any feedback whatsoever. Boy, that's hard, right? You can always you can always ask your agent to ask the casting officer for, for any kind of feedback you can get, which is hard. Mm. A lot of casting offices just don't have the time or inclination to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no harm in asking. There's no there's no cost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If, you're, if you're going in and I, it's like, can I do anything different? Uh, is there you know is there any particular Maybe you have no idea that you're doing something over and over and it could be just a simple like facial expression. Like you could be like in my early days, I would frown a lot oh, really? when I would. Yeah, because I was thinking about the uh, lines uh, and I wouldn't be like selling the thing. I would just be trying to like, <laughs> for all your like yeah, welcome to this. Welcome to our shop. And like they'd be like, all right, stop, Catherine. You're looking down and you're frowning or getting into a maybe more commercial class, taking like a four yeah. week or working with a coach just to see. The more yeah. self-aware you can be with the camera medium, that I think the better. Yeah. And the more comfortable, like like you said, improv is infinitely helpful. You can tell yeah. when an actor is Big time. comfy. Big time, yeah. Last question before we wrap this up. There comes many times in a year when auditions ebb and flow. Mm, go figure. And for you as a casting director, <laughs> this year has been particularly interesting. It's been one of the worst I've ever seen this year. Yeah, you would have thought the last two or three right? years was bad. But no, this has been particularly dry. Horrible. How, like... How do we as creative people, like, what are just some of your, like, top um, few go-tos to keep yourself stimulated or happy or creatively well, first, engaged? you should panic. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, always, always panic. <laughs> Take your meds. Uh, but like you said, like, have have multiple things in your life going on. The more, the better, I think, in a way. Um, don't be a loser. Yeah, don't don't, <laughs> sit, don't just sit at home and wait for something to happen. Like, you got to generate your own luck, right? Yes. So, you know, you know update your online resume if you haven't gotten new headshots in a while think about that i know it's expensive but you know you, you maybe that's something mm. update your reel or make a reel whatever it is uh, going back to that earlier one one of the things even uh, i i love it when people just have a piece of video even if it's like a sketch they shot so i can hear their voice sometimes just hearing someone's voice makes me go ah that's 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 right or mm, that's not gonna work mm. do that get get your reel up um or get it edited together shoot some stuff yourself right why not everybody i mean get a freaking iphone you can shoot a movie now on right it's, yeah there's no excuses there's no excuses stop slacking Catherine. oh i'm so sorry i'm sorry that Gosh. i'm making a podcast for everyone Oh, right. You're doing that. Good. Yeah. That's how I'm filling my time. <laughs> I'm going freaking crazy. So, yeah, just dive in. Like, create energy in other parts of your life or creatively update your shit. Yeah. Go start a new, like, I don't know, workout series, learn a new skill. There's a lot of things that yeah. you could kind of dive into. And it'll also help take pressure off when things get busy that maybe you'll find something else you enjoy to do or that fills your time yeah. in that sort of way. Tell your friends who are writers, like, you'll do help with a script read or something, you know? It's like just. Yeah. Right. Get involved in something. Okay. I love that so much. Hey, Kirkland. Hey, Catherine. Would actors be able to reach out to you or do you not like that? I have no problem with that. How do, how do they do that? I prefer a semaphore. What? Semaphore. Uh, The flags with the signal flags. So if they could. um, Stand outside your house. (laughs) Stand outside my house and flag me. Give me a job. Um, (laughs) I can be emailed. Uh, I'm not shy about having my email out there. It is kirkland at clockworkcasting.com. And we'll put it on the show notes. 
Oh, you will? Yeah, I'll, if you want. It's totally fine. Okay. I'm just being a smartass. Send him gifts. Um, yeah, I love wine, so that's that's just secret he to me. He does. I know. It's to weird. his heart. I have a problem. You want to get into clockwork casting, <laughs> send him a case of wine. <laughs> Charles Shaw, please. <laughs> Dubuque Chuck. Oh, God. So, okay, you're not shy about that. Everyone's different. So yeah. he, you know, if you want to reach out and be like, reach hey. Reach out. Yeah, he I might not answer to. if he's inundated. Now, if yeah. the, a thousand I people. I probably won't answer. Yeah. I, 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 I get a lot of just people going, hey, I'm in the show, or hi, I just want to introduce myself. And Kirkland I, comes to shows, you guys. Yeah. You can always invite him. Yeah, please. Just come to my show. Please, if I can go. I, I tried to go. Yeah. Especially now, it's so slow. It's so slow. It's a great time to, yeah. like, maybe interacting with him in a way where it's like, hey, like, I'm, you know, I'm involved in this. Like, I'm, I want to invite you to this, or not. Not like not everything has to just be like for you and for your intro, but like how how can you build a community and, and meet new people and be creative, guys? There's so many ways to to just cross paths with people just like us. Because we're just regular people. We're just regular. <laughs> you're not that regular. You. I gotta say, you're very you. very strange. You guys, this has been great. Um, this is Kirkland Moody, Clockwork Casting. Look them up. They they did what seven Super Bowl commercials last year. Some Something like that. Yeah, five, yeah, I think five or six. Uh, that, well, the year before I, last year, you're, we got Bupkis on that one. So, uh, I don't know what, what what's that about. I don't know. But yeah, we had like six, I think, the year before that. Um, yeah, we just did some nice Apple spots on the air now. and uh, A lot we, of fun we, comedy we, jobs. Mo- we were moderately busy, you know, hanging in there. You're hanging in like we all are. Exactly. They're, do- they're just, you know what? We're all just doing the best we can. So you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Slate It Till You Make It. If you like this episode, it helped you out, maybe send it over to some of your actor friends or someone who's curious or better yet, leave us a review because that is how we're going to grow. We're still growing so spread the word and keep slating it till you make it i'm katherine donnelly get out there do something creative today